Well, good evening. Welcome once again to Calvary Chapel North Shore, the video edition, online edition, whatever we're calling it. But I'm really glad. I'm happy you can um, tune in either way or watch, however you're taking this in. But still longing. Uh, I think I've gotten to the point where I can honestly say longing to get together with uh, the, the church body and give hugs and, and all that stuff. So I'm confident, hoping, praying that it's uh, not too much longer before we can do that. Um, so tonight, I'm going to um, take us to the book of Daniel. So Daniel chapter 9. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and grab it and turn there at this time. I'll give you a couple seconds. We're not going to do the, the entire chapter. I'm going to just go to about verse 19. The chapter kind of breaks itself into two um, sections, the prayer and prophecy. And we're going to look at the prayer part of it, um, kind of keeping in line with the the theme we've been uh, doing a couple last couple weeks. So um, I'm going to just go ahead and read the first couple of verses and then we'll pray and then I'll kind of dive into where we're going with this. So um, let's read and then and pray together. So Daniel chapter 9, we're going to pick it up in verse 1 and it says this. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent, a Mede, who was made the king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Well, Father, it's always such an honor to open the scriptures and just very aware right now, Lord, unless your Holy Spirit really just lifts the words off the page, Lord, we're left to ourselves to figure this out, and we just can't. We just need your Spirit. And Father, I pray that you would speak to us tonight. Lord, you'd bring out those things you've been laying on my heart. Lord, that it would be Jesus honoring, and God, that it would be inspiring, and it would just cause us to want to press in to know you more and to pray. Um, when it's all said and done, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you've been um, tracking with us the last couple of weeks, um, you know that I've been doing kind of a mini-series on prayer, and it just so happens, and I say that very tongue-in-cheek because I don't believe it's a coincidence, that tomorrow, May 7th, is uh, the National Day of Prayer. And so it's very timely, very fitting uh, that we've been talking about prayer. And as I was just considering that, it was actually one of those things where I was studying a, a different text, a, a parable actually that Jesus gave about prayer. And that's really where I was spending my time. But I really just sensed that that wasn't what the Lord wanted me to share tonight. So I went back to the drawing board, so to speak, and just started spending time walking with him, praying, seeing where we would go. And um, as I was thinking about this idea of the national day of prayer, a thought came into my mind about another guy who was praying for his nation, uh, the guy Daniel that we just read about. And I want to take a look at one of the most, I think, inspiring, uh, passionate prayers uh, in the Bible by Daniel. And I want to do so by talking a little bit about the context, and it's actually important. I think it kind of sets up um, from where I want to go with this. And then we'll take a look at the prayer itself. It's actually quite long. Um, we're not going to dissect every aspect of it, just kind of hit the general the general themes. But let's look at this prayer because, and even before I start, if ever there was a time uh, for the church to raise up and pray 
for our nation, and of course not just our nation, um, we want to think larger scope as well, but, but certainly for our nation, it's now, it's absolutely right now. If, if it's not a call to prayer now, I don't know when it is. And so um, I just am praying that God would speak to not only you individually, but to the church at large, that we would really truly take this time to seek God and press in. And so with that having been said, let's talk about Daniel. Let's talk about his prayer. What, what set all of this up? First of all, I want you just to note a couple of things. And again, not to bore you with details, but it does set the stage. It says this, in the first year of Darius, the son of Hazarias, um, by descent Amid, who was king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign. So I want to just point out the time marker here. What we're dealing with is the first year of this guy, Darius. And there's a little bit of uh, debate on who exactly that is, maybe Cyrus, we're not sure. But the point is, it's the first year of his reign. And the time frame is, is when the Persian or the Medo-Persian Empire took over the Babylonian Empire. Now, what's significant about that is the Babylonians were the ones that invaded Israel and took uh, the Israelites, specifically the southern kingdom, Judah, captive. And so we know that happened in about 605 BC. We'll talk about that in a second. And if this is the first year of his reign, the guys who study these things uh, put this right at about 539 BC as the Medes or the Persians uh, take over uh, the uh, kingdom from uh, Babylonians. Now, keep that in mind. So then it says this, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord uh, by Jeremiah the prophet uh, that must come before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. What in the world is he talking about? See, this is fascinating. Daniel at this point is in his 80s. He was probably about 17 years old in 605 BC when Nebuchadnezzar rushed into the southern kingdom of Israel, Judah, and took captive, you might remember this from reading your Old Testament, took captive um, the children of Israel. And he took, uh, you know, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those weren't their original names, uh, actually. But he took this whole contingency of, of uh, Jewish men and, and young men and, you know, the healthy and the strong. Eventually, um, as time goes on in, in these couple of different waves of invasion, uh, Nebuchadnezzar absolutely destroys the temple, lays waste to the city of Jerusalem. But my point is, is that Daniel was one of those first guys that was taken. He was trained up in the, um, the ways of the Babylonians. He was kind of groomed to be in, in the uh, palace service. And he just becomes this incredible man of God. At this stage, here's what we learn. He's reading the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah had prophesied um, and he was alive some 40-some years before uh, Daniel. But the point is, is he's, he's reading this, uh, this prophecy by Jeremiah that was talking about how because of the sin of Judah, the sin of Israel, God was going to punish them and judge them by sending the Babylonians. And that the Babylonians would take them captive and displace them into the land of Babylon for 70 years. But after 70 years, God would revisit them and bless them and restore them and put them back into the land. And I actually want to read to you, if I can find it here real quickly, uh, from 
Jeremiah chapter 25 in about verse 12, if I remember correctly. I'll actually start in verse 11, Jeremiah 25, 11. Jeremiah predicted this. He said, this whole land shall become a ruin and a waste and the nation shall serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. Verse 12, then after seven years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation and the land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. And I will bring upon the land the words that I've uttered against it, everything in this book. And he goes on. The point is, is that Jeremiah prophesied that the nation would be invaded, taken captive 70 years later. Um, they would be set free. Also, if you want to look up Jeremiah 29, verse 10, he, he mentions the same exact thing. Here's my point. Daniel, who was taken captive at 17, realizes as he's reading that book, the book of Jeremiah, that the time has elapsed. It's now 539, as I said, BC. That's 66 years. The 70 years that Jeremiah prophesied about have almost expired. And what dawns on Daniel, it says that he perceived in the books, he perceives, he discerns, he, he comes to know, it means um, um, literally, that from reading those scriptures, that those 70 years are almost up. So the point is, is that Daniel realizes, oh my goodness, I am literally living right smack dab in the middle of Bible prophecy coming true. I want to say something about that real quick. Notice that Daniel took the scriptures literally. He took Bible prophecy literally. When it said 70 years, he wasn't thinking that that was allegorical for some other meaning. No, it just meant 70 years. And I point that out because, you know, a lot of people, they take the Bible and the scripture literally as they should, but all of a sudden when it comes to Bible prophecy, somehow we start allegorizing everything. And I don't think that that's correct. I think that we should... Um, Exactly like Daniel, take it for face value. And, and the point is this, is that as Daniel, track with me, Daniel is reading those scriptures, he's doing the math, and he, the light bulb goes on, he says, oh my goodness, I'm at the end of that 70-year period. In other words, I, I'm about to see God fulfill a prophecy. Now, in his case, it's to bring Israel back into the land. And, and that is going to, as we'll see in a moment, stir him, drive him to passionately seek God and pray. Now, you, you probably see where I'm going with this. You see, as we're currently in this crazy, unprecedented time in our, in our world globally, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, does this have anything to do with Bible prophecy? And I would say this, it has everything to do with Bible prophecy. Now, it's not my intention to get into all the nooks and crannies of that, but, but if you know, and I don't mean to, I can't assume everybody knows some of these prophecies, but as we look at the COVID-19 pandemic, um, as we look at the way that the governments of the world and how everything's moving and how it's all of a sudden thrusting us toward uh, a global you know, economy, a global government, a one world this and that. And, and all of a sudden, those of us who have been reading about these things in the Bible for decades, for millennia, we're seeing it push towards that at breakneck speed. Now, I'm not saying we're there. What I'm simply saying is, is that as we look at the current events around us, as we see it in comparison to the scriptures, there's no other conclusion but to say, wow, these are the exact things that the Bible predicted would happen just prior 
to Jesus coming back. Now, we certainly don't know the day. We don't know the hour. I'm just simply saying that the signs of the times, the birth pangs, as Jesus put it, are coming in strong and hard. And I, I told my wife the other day, I said, I feel like we're in, we're in a hard labor right now, that, that the Lord is ramping things up and his return is near. Again, not date setting or anything like that. I'm just saying, to me, it's obvious. And in a way, I feel like Daniel. I feel like the church should feel like Daniel, that we, as we read the scriptures and we compare it to what's happening in our world, at the very least, be able to say, we are living smack dab in the middle of Bible prophecy happening right before our eyes. Now, what should be our reaction to that? And quite frankly, there's some good reactions and there's some bad reactions. And, and it's not my intention to get into every reaction, but one thing I know for sure that this should be doing for us, and it's exactly what Daniel does, it drove him to pray. And I think as we're taking stock of what's happening in our world right now, at the very least, as believers, as the church of Jesus Christ, we need to be praying we need to be praying for our nation. We need to be praying for the world, but we need to pray. Now, the Bible teacher in me has to kind of pause at this moment because I want to just make something clear before, um, you know, uh, maybe you assume I'm going somewhere where I'm not. I'm not suggesting, for those of you who are picking up on nuances of this, I'm not suggesting that in some way the church has replaced Israel. I'm not suggesting that America is to be inserted here in place of Israel. No. Israel is Israel. The United States isn't even mentioned in prophecy. So that's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is there's a principle here. There's something that's, I think, important to pick up on. As Daniel realized Bible prophecy was happening before his eyes, he fell to his face and he sought God. And that's exactly what I believe we should do. Now let's look at the prayer. Having said all that, let's kind of briefly, but for sure, look at the prayer uh, that Daniel prayed. And first, as we look at verse three, I want to look at the preparation for Daniel in his prayer. It says this in verse three, then I turned my face to the Lord, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I'm really taken by that phrase that he turned his face. Some translations say he set his face to the Lord God seeking him, seeking him. Now by prayer and pleas for mercy, but, but I don't want to miss this. Daniel began to seek God. He turned his face. What does that mean? The idea of turning your face or setting your face to the Lord, it, it implies intentionality. It, it implies he's doing it on purpose. He's saying other things get left aside. Right now, it is time to seek God. And I think that that's a good place for us to start, you guys, to just be intentional. And I'm not just talking about tomorrow on the National Day of Prayer, but, but that there would be in us a sense of urgency and that we would say, we need to stop what we're doing at some level and intentionally seek God. Not, not just pray, but I like the way it's phrased, seek Him. Come back to Him. Just seek His face to get in front of him. And notice what it says. He, he, it was with prayer, with pleas for mercy. He's pleading for mercy. Not for judgment, not for 
you know, Lord, judge us. Do, he's saying, God, have mercy on us. And we'll talk more about that in a second. But I want to point out, too, with, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. You know, fasting and wearing sackcloth, and I've never worn sackcloth. I've, I've done, um, you know, potato, ra- what do they call those? Pot- potato sack races where you get in a burlap sack. is about as close as I've gotten to putting on burlap. But that's the idea. You know, imagine just putting a burlap shirt on and, um, and, and ashes on your head or whatever, fasting. What was the deal with that? Those were outward signs of inward mourning. Those were outward signs of affliction, but it was really to reflect what was going on in the inside. And what Daniel is saying is, I'm putting aside food. I'm putting aside my comfort. I'm setting my face towards God. I am mourning. I am, I am afflicting myself. And not that, you know, if we afflict ourselves, God hears us more, but it, was, it really reflects the posture of Daniel's heart. He's broken. He realizes something. Now, as we go through this, I think that what he realizes becomes more evident, and we'll get to that. But just notice that for now. A very intentional posture, putting aside food, afflicting his soul, just getting on his face before God with passion. And this is what he prays. It starts in verse 4. It says, And I prayed to the Lord my God, making confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, to all the people of the land. He's, let me just pause there for a minute. Just notice that it says he began to make confession. And he says, Father, oh Lord, God Almighty. You know, he, he just calls out to Almighty God and says, I confess to you, we have sinned. We have rebelled. We have turned aside from your rules. We have cast, we've just gone completely against everything you said what was right. Here's what I love about this prayer from Daniel. I want you to notice that little word that is so, I think, telling. In verse five, he says, we have done these things. Now, if you read about Daniel, it's very hard to find anything in his story, in the book of Daniel, that hints at anything wrong that he ever did. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't a sinner. Of course he was. But guys, he wasn't the one living in full disobedience. He wasn't the one, you know, throwing God's word aside and just living for himself. But I love the fact, listen, that he includes himself. He doesn't say, my people, those people, it wasn't me, God, it was them. He just throws himself in there and says, Lord, we have done this. We have sinned. And it really just reveals a humility of his heart. And he just lumps himself in and as if he's saying, I'm so sorry, God, for the way we've acted. It's, it's shameful. In fact, that's exactly what he's saying uh, in the next couple of verses. Notice this. He says, I think it's in verse 6. No, excuse me. Um, picking it up in verse uh, 7. He says, To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame, as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all of Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, and all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. 
to our kings, our princes, to our fathers, because we, there it is, the, the, including himself, we have sinned against you. To the, now, let's again, I'll pause there. He basically says, you are righteous. To you belongs righteousness. Everything you say, everything you do, it's all right. We are the ones who have sinned against you. And he says, and it's our shame. He was ashamed. He says, basically saying, shame on us, God, for the way as a nation we've acted and we've treated you. I, uh, you know, it was, it was interesting. I was thinking about this earlier today, years ago, a few years ago when I was living in Oregon. Uh, right before I moved out of Oregon, uh, the legislation came down where they legalized um, marijuana. And it didn't take long to where there was more um, marijuana shops than coffee shops in the little town that I was living in. But I can remember when, you know, I kind of read the news that, you know, recreational marijuana was legalized. And there was just something that hit me. And I started, I was just praying. I was like, Lord, and something came out of my mouth that kind of surprised me. I said this, something like this. I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm just sorry for what we've done. And, and I'm not trying to be the hero of my own story. I just found myself kind of praying like Daniel, like, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm ashamed of what we're doing as a nation, calling right wrong and wrong right. And, and the point is, is that when I look at America, when I look at our nation, we have been so blessed. We have been so blessed as a nation. I'm a patriot. I, I, I'm a, you know, I, I love this nation. And as critical as, you know, we can be sometimes about what's going on, I, I still I love this nation. It's clear that, that God blessed us so much. But guys, we have turned away from the Lord. We have disobeyed God. We have squandered so much of the blessings that he's given us. And we've all played our part. We can't blame everybody else. We've all done our dirt. And we've all got to, I think, kind of take a page out of Daniel's notebook here and just take some responsibility. You see, as we're praying for our nation, I think it starts with the church. I think as the church, we need to just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way we've, we've treated so lightly your word and we've, we've been complicit with with so much of the sin that's just run rampant in our nation. And we're pretty good at pointing fingers at everybody else sometimes, if we're honest. I think it's healthier to just start with ourselves and just say, Lord, we're sorry, and humble ourselves and approach God on the basis of mercy. In fact, look what he says next. He says, um, let's see if I can find the, uh, where I left off. Verse 11, he says, all of Israel has transgressed and refuse to obey your voice. Um, actually, let me back up a little bit. Uh, verse nine, that's where I left off. He says, to the Lord our God belongs mercy. Listen to this, forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him, and we've not obeyed the voice of our God by walking in his laws, which he has set before us um, by his servants, the prophets. All of Israel has transgressed the law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and the oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. Before I move on, um, again, I just want to point out, he says, but there's forgiveness with you, God. There's mercy with you, God. And, and eventually I want to end on that, guys. That, that as Daniel is just humbly confessing sin, he recognizes, God, with you, there's forgiveness and there's mercy. But note his approach. It's humility and it's confession and, and it's repentance. Well, then he goes on. Now, this is interesting to me and, and 
it's kind of zeroing in on, on what I really felt like God spoke to my heart about. In verse 12, he says, He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us, against our rulers who ruled us, by bringing upon us a great calamity. Listen, for under the whole heaven, there's not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. Now, this, listen to verse 13. As it is written in the law of Moses, all of this calamity has come upon us. Yet, we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. I'm going to keep going for a moment. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all of his works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who has brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have had a name for yourself, at this day we have sinned and done wickedly. Here's the point I want to make. Basically, what Daniel is saying is this. In his context, all this calamity, us being exiled into Babylon, ripped out of our homeland, judged, you know, uh, all these horrible things that have come down on us. What is Daniel saying? It only just proves that you're true to your word. You see, in the Old Testament law, in uh, Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy chapter 28, I was going to read some of those. I'll just let you kind of research that on your own. Basically, what it says is this. God gives them forewarning. He says, look, if you obey me, follow my ways, it's going to go well for you. But if you disobey me and continue to disobey me and continue to disobey me, these are some of the things that are going to come down the pike. He, he told them beforehand that this is what would happen if you didn't walk in my ways. And so what, what Daniel is just simply saying is, your, your, your word is true. You were true to your word because we disobeyed. We didn't do what, we, what you told us to do. And so because of that, we're experiencing all this calamity. Now, this is the kicker. Listen to this. This really grabbed my heart this morning as I read it. He says, verse 13, let me read it again if you don't mind. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come down on us, yet, listen, we have not entreated the favor or the mercy or the grace of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Later he says, we have sinned and we have done wickedly. Actually, right before that, um, yeah, he talks about how you brought us up out of Egypt, but we've sinned and done wickedly. Here's the point. I believe what he's referring to in verse 13 is he says, all this stuff is come upon us because we deserve it. But up to this point, God, we haven't owned it. We haven't repented. We haven't acknowledged that it wasn't just bad luck or this or that or you know the, an enemy that came against us. We are responsible for this junk that's coming upon us. I'm not suggesting, by the way, please don't draw any hard lines here. I'm not suggesting that COVID-19 and all this is some direct judgment for God. In fact, if you want my opinion, I'll give you my opinion. I don't think it is at all. I think God's judgment is certainly coming. Um, but the point I'm just simply trying to make is that in their case, they knew it was directly from God. And they'd been in Babylon for 70 years. And it seems like Daniel's saying, and yet we still haven't completely owned and confessed that it's our sin that brought this upon us. As we go into the National Day of Prayer tomorrow, how should we pray? 
How should we pray for America, our nation, for us as individuals? Should we pray that um, COVID-19 goes away? Absolutely. Should we pray for our um, economy to, to get driven again? Yes, we, certainly. That's a great prayer. Should we pray uh, that our freedoms and uh, the restrictions you know, should be taken off and, and those freedoms be restored and all of the Yes, those are great things to pray for. What concerns me is that what good is it if all that stuff gets re, re, you know, instated and COVID goes away and business is booming again and we go back to the way it was and things are quote unquote normal again? What good is it if we missed what God is trying to do? And that is, I believe, get our attention and bring us to a place of repentance. I, I don't want us to go through hard times as a nation. That's not my heart. But many of us for a long time have been praying for revival. And I don't think any of us could have guessed that God would maybe want to do it through such a hard trial as this. But my fear is, is that if we don't turn to God now, our hearts are going to get hardened. And I guess I'm just imploring you and really myself, absolutely pray about all those things that are important things. But maybe the most important prayer we could pray is just a humble, broken prayer of confession and just asking God straight out just to have mercy on us. No excuses, no promises. Just calling it like it is, we're a mess, God. And the church is a mess. And we need to come back to you. And you can look at that as at the macro and the micro. You can look at it on the big church at large. And you can look at that at your local church. And you can take that right into your own family and into your own heart. And just say, Lord, have mercy. Let's finish up because the rest of the, the prayer is too good to, uh, to bypass. He says in verse 16, O Lord, according to your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sin and the iniquity of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among uh, all who are around us. Verse 17, now therefore, listen to this great conclusion. Now therefore, O our God, Listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, and how important that is, that we're praying for his sake. What does that mean? For his glory. It's not about our comfort and our economy and our goodness. And it ultimately has to be about his glory. For your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary which is desolate. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city that is called by your name. Listen, for we do not present our plea before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. 
O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, and because your city and your people are called by your name. I love the fact that Daniel is appealing to God on the basis of his mercy, not on the basis of something that he felt they deserved. And guys, can I just remind us of something, and this may come as a shock to us as Western, you know, Americans. God doesn't owe us a single thing except judgment. That's what we deserve. As we come to pray in this season, we need to come, as I said earlier, maybe I'm overstating it now, forgive me, it wouldn't be the first time I overstated something. Um, but we need to come on the basis of God's grace and just lay it out, like I said earlier, and say, God, we're not coming to you because we're righteous. In, you know, we are righteous in Christ. That's not what I'm trying to say, but we're, we're not trying to come before you because we deserve it and we're American. We need to come and just say, God, we're not coming on that basis at all. We're just appealing to you on the basis of your grace, your undeserved, unmerited favor towards us. And I got a secret. It's actually not a secret. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I think the need for today is a humble plea to God to have mercy on us as a nation and as a world. And as much as I am longing for the second coming of Christ, the reality is we don't know when he's coming back. And there are many, 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 many who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And what the need of the day is, is for the church to be revived. And so I think it starts here. Humble confession, appealing to God's mercy. Amen? Amen. I don't know... Um, how you can participate tomorrow. I know that I've noticed there's a lot of like Zoom and online prayer meetings and hopefully you can grab into one of those. Uh, maybe um, you have a busy day. Maybe you can take a, a one meal from tomorrow and fast or get together some way with your family and pray. But in, in, however you can, I, I wanna encourage you to join together tomorrow on the National Day of Prayer and not just you know, say a prayer in passing, although God would hear that, but to set your face, to seek God and to pray, maybe even fast. And what do I pray? Well, you can pray a lot of things, but for sure, I think we need to come to God in humble confession and prayer, humility, and ask him to have mercy on our nation. Amen? Why don't we go to prayer right now? Would you join me right where you're sitting? If you're driving, keep your eyes open. But uh, let's, let's pray together. It's pretty hard, Father, to follow up on a prayer like Daniel's. But everything that he prayed, Father, in his context at his time, Lord, we, we kind of echo that for our context at this time. But we need you. We have sinned, Father, as a nation, as a church. You've been so good to us. You've rescued us. As a nation, you've been good to us. You've blessed us. 
And Father, we confess we've called right wrong and wrong right and we've turned our back on you. Even in the church, so many, Lord, have turned their back. Lord, we have watered down your word. We have capitulated to the tendencies and the ways of the world. So many things to talk about, but Lord, right now we just simply say, have mercy on us, have mercy. We've sinned and we pray that you would forgive us and that you'd humble us and we just pray for grace. Father, we pray for grace upon our families, upon the church, upon our nation. We do pray you would eradicate COVID. We, we pray that you would bless the economy. We pray you would just bring things back to a, a, a place of quote-unquote normalcy. But Lord, may we not go back to normal. Lord, may we change on the inside. And may we seek you like we've never sought you before. And may would, would you, Lord, revive your church Lord, that we would be on fire once again, filled with your Holy Spirit and living our lives on mission for you, for your glory. And Lord, when you come back, I pray that we would be found faithful doing the things you've called us to do. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, amen, God bless you guys. and. Again, I'll, I'll finish where I began. I'm looking forward to like church, church, like real church, when we can uh, hug and, and sing together and pray together and seek God together. But until then, the Lord bless you and um, we'll see you when we see you. God bless.